Then call 800-243-9719. And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your time. Welcome to Educate for Life Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. And I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. If you're listening here today, checking in with us. And uh, we're in Southern California. Right now, I'm broadcasting on KPraise, 1210 a.m. down here. Also, FM 106.1 in North County. We're also on YouTube. And uh, we have a fantastic uh, program today. We're talking with uh, somebody who has 406,000 subscribers on YouTube. He has over 93 million views. He earned a doctorate in philosophy and the philosophy of religion from Fordham University. And uh, something really interesting, while studying at Old Dominion University, he was challenged to convert to Islam by his roommate, Nabil Qureshi. Now, if you don't know who Nabil Qureshi is, um, he, he actually passed away not too long ago in 2017. Very sad. I had the uh, privilege of meeting him before he passed away. I was actually graduating uh, with a master's degree in apologetics from Biola University, and I was having lunch with him in the back, and uh, I had no idea that he was going to no- announce uh, what he was struggling with, what he was going through with cancer. And uh, he was a speaker with Ravi Zacharias uh, International Ministries, and he was also the author of a book, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And our guest today, David Wood, was his roommate and actually um, is credited with, um, over time, converting him to Christianity, causing him to decide to become a Christian. And uh, I just want to thank you, David, for being on the program today. Yep, glad to be here. So, David, um, can we start there with this discussion? Um, a lot of our guests don't know a lot about what happened there, but uh, can, can you pick us up with the story? How did you meet Nabil, and ultimately, how were you able to convince him that Christianity was true? Uh, well, uh, yeah, so Nabil and I met on a school trip. We had both joined the uh, speech and debate team, where you you know, you'd go to other schools and... Uh, debate or uh, give presentations or something like this and, and be judged on them uh, competitively. And we ended up um, on one trip. Um, the first time we met, we ended up sharing a hotel room um, as, as we went to another school. And um, that first night I was, uh, I was reading my, I was reading the book of Isaiah. I was reading through the Bible in a year. And, uh, as I was reading, I noticed this guy um, looking at me. So I noticed Nabil sort of kept looking over at me, reading the Bible. And, um, uh, you know, I knew his name was Nabil Qureshi. So I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a Muslim name, but I didn't know, you know, is he like a li- you know, liberal Muslim or just completely secular or yeah, I mean, he could even, be, he could even be an atheist. He could be something else or is he devout and, then I saw him that he was, he was putting away his prayer rug. So I was thinking, okay, he, he, he was devout enough to, to bring a prayer rug on a, on a school trip. So, um, but yeah, then, uh, I was actually praying and I said, you know, Hey God, uh, I don't want to be accused by people of being mean to a Muslim. If I start, you know, if I start talking to him and, um, asking him about his religion or something like that. So, if you want me to talk to this guy, if we're here for a reason, could you just let him start the conversation? And uh, it was right after that, Nabil said, so are you a hardcore Christian? <laughs> That's and, correct. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, yes, I am. And, uh, <laughs> and yep, we started our discussions that weekend. And for the first several hours, I basically, 
I basically just let him talk himself to death. I, I normally do that if I'm getting into a discussion with people and I'm trying to, you know, figure out what they believe and, and why they believe what they believe. But, you know, I'll just keep uh, saying, okay, yeah, so what do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about the Quran? What do you believe about the Bible? What do you believe about God? And uh, over, over time, I'll eventually transition into, you know, some questions like, why do you believe that? And uh, I just kind of do this by nature. I'm, you know, I'm interested in what people believe and why they believe it. And um, after the deal had really broken down a lot of, a lot of pretty much everything he, 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 he believed and all his reasons he could think of for believing it. I said, uh, I said, all right, I got one more question. Um, if you're wrong, do you want to know it? And, uh, he gave an interesting answer. He paused for a while and then he said, uh, he said, yes. And no, he said, yes, I would want to know the truth about God, but no, it would destroy my family. Wow. And, uh, those are, the, those are the kind of, that was like the dual, the dual loyalties of Nabil, uh, for the next several years, as we were discussing Christianity and Islam is you could tell he always had this, uh, he always had this passion, uh, for pursuing, the truth and for sitting down. And, and if we had to argue, if we had to spend 10 hours straight and go all night long arguing a point so that we could, we could, uh, you know, get closer to a correct answer, then, then he would do that. But at the same time, he's always clearly, clearly, clearly uh, petrified of what would happen if he converted to Islam and his, and his, you know, his parents had to go through that because uh, I mean, that was one of the, one of the closest families I'd ever seen in my life was, was Nabil with his parents. But matter of fact, that first trip we went off, um, you know, we went off, uh, we went off to another school. We came back and his mom picked him up uh, at the airport and she sat there in the air, in the airport parking lot, hugging him for like 10 minutes because he'd been gone for like three days. And so a very, very close family. Who's always very, uh, very scared of, uh, of what would happen if he converted to Christianity. But, um, but the, uh, the pursuit for truth side of him actually won out. And uh, yeah, after several years, he, uh, he became a Christian. So what happened then with his family? How did they respond to that? Did everything fall apart like he anticipated? <clears throat> well, I can say that um, things turned out better with his family than what I've seen with lots of other um, Muslim families. Uh, unless I've seen, there have been a couple instances where you have a Muslim family that, that really just doesn't care about Islam that much. They've been, they've, they've become very secular. Um, and I've seen a couple instances like that where someone converts to Christianity and they're not, they don't have much of a problem with it. But, um, in, in any Muslim family where they, they take Islam seriously, the basic reactions are either, um, well, I mean, it, it could be, it could actually be dangerous in, in a Muslim country, in certain parts of the world, it could actually be dangerous because it, yeah. it, it can be come back or, or you know, we're going to do something to you. Yeah. Um, but here, here in the West, it's usually one of it's usually one of two things. It's usually um, either the family just uh, completely separates from the person, says, "Hey, uh, we don't want to see you again until you're you're a Muslim again, so, so don't come don't come around here," or the um, the family will start trying to win the person back to Islam. And, uh, that's what, that's what the Beals dad is. His, his dad started taking him around to various Muslim scholars, even like in other countries and stuff like that, taking him to Muslim scholars who are uh, supposed to show him that he was wrong for converting to Christianity and so on. And, uh, that didn't go very well for them because Nabil would start, 
he would start arguing with them about Islam as well. So he, he would take him, uh, his dad would take him to a scholar, and Nabil would go in there and say, okay, okay, here are all my reasons why I no longer believe in Muhammad. Let's go through these one at a time and see if you can answer them. And they really weren't terribly interested in having those conversations because there's a, a, lot of, a lot of the things that we would bring up when looking at Islam. There, there just aren't very good answers for it. So, uh, yeah, I think it was about a year. His dad was trying to bring him to very pl- various places to try to convert him back to Islam. And, and after that, the, the relationship was, was very strained. There was lots of arguing. Um, his, his family was, was devastated. They eventually moved from where they were because they were so, uh, they were so embarrassed um, by their son converting. And in, in, in Islam, it's, it's, and this is, this is pretty common as well in Islam, that they can't, they can't get their minds around the idea of someone actually looking at the evidence and concluding that Islam is false and that something else is true, especially Christianity. So they, they always tend to attribute it to some ulterior motive. Like if you were converting, oh, it's because you were paid by someone to convert or mm-hmm. you converted because of, uh, you know, you wanted this non-Muslim girl or something like that. They have to attribute it to something like that. So, uh, but at the same time, if you're the parents, there are other Muslims who will look at you and think, how did you raise such a, a bad child oh, that yeah. he left Islam? And so it was very, it was, it was, it was a sad situation for them. Um, they, they actually moved and there were, again, there would be lots of, um, lots of arguing, but on, on the plus, on the plus side that it turned out better than with most, most families and that they did. Uh, continue having a relationship. Nabil did continue uh, visiting with them, and uh, especially when he he had a daughter. Um, so Nabil got married and, and had a daughter. And especially yeah. uh, when Nabil had a had a daughter, the, the the grandkids always tend to help people smooth things over sometimes. Yeah. Now I know he wrote a book, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, and um, now uh, sadly he's passed away, but but uh, he he's in heaven, but. Um, what, where is his family today? Has, have any of them turned to Christ or are they still, um, pursuing, uh, or, you know, following Islam? Yeah, they're still, yeah, they're still, uh, they're still Muslims. Um, mm-hmm. unfortunately they have, uh, fortunately they have, they have all of Nabil's books, um, for when they want to, uh, take yeah. a look at these things. But yeah. yeah, they're, they're, they're still, they're still pretty devastated, not just over their son, um, converting, um, but over him not returning to Islam and then, yeah. uh, and then dying because they, they believed that they believed and they had, you know, like dreams that were confirming to them that their son was going to come back out of, um, that he was going to come back out of Christianity and return to Islam and that, you know, he was going to be this great light for Islam and stuff and refuting Christianity and they actually believed that they had like uh, co- confirmation of this through their dreams and so on, and uh, wow. just didn't work that. So yeah, yeah. So. okay. Well, my uh, for, if you're listening today, my guest today is David Wood, and honestly, I don't know if there's a uh, a more knowledgeable person on Islam and who has engaged in discussions um, arguing about Islam uh, more than David Wood. If you're interested in checking his stuff out, Act 17 Apologetics. He has numerous videos that will help you better understand Islam and the problems within Islam. You can check that out, Act 17 Apologetics. Stay with us. We're going to have a very interesting discussion. We're going to have a quick break, and we'll be right back.
Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. If you need to buy an affordable, reliable used car, truck, or even an enclosed trailer, call Conover Tires Wheels and Service in Oceanside. For tires and car repairs you can trust, call Dan Conover and his team at 760-439-1631. Honesty, integrity, and quality service. They're ASC, BBB, and NAPA certified. And they're proud supporters of Educate for Life. Learn more at ConoverTires.com. Check out their great reviews, 760-439-1631. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. Welcome back to Educate for Life. This is your host, Kevin Conover. We're here in Southern California. My website's educateforlife.org. We're off on a, a Christmas special here. Um, on my website. It's an apologetics website. It's meant specifically to help young people be prepared to be able to answer all the skeptical questions that are coming their way. And that, that has everything to do with things like creation and evolution. How do we know the Bible's actually inspired by God? How can I trust the Bible when it has miracles in it? Um, what about all the other religions in the world? And that's what we're talking about today. My, my guest today is David Wood, Acts 17 Apologetics. He's been doing this for a long time. He has an incredible testimony of how he met Christ coming from an atheist background Um, But when we left off last break, we were talking about how he actually is responsible for really leading Nabil Qureshi to the Lord. And um, what I wanted to ask you about, David, was, uh, you know, when you're going around, do you see a lot of uh, Muslims coming to Christ through um, your efforts and through the efforts of other apologists who are reaching out to Muslims? Um, Sometimes it seems very... um, you know, some people, they're, they're afraid to argue. They're afraid to be argumentative. They, they see it as a bad thing, or they might see it as unloving. How would you respond to somebody who said, hey, I don't want to be abrasive, and uh, I want to be more, you know, kind, kind in the way I talk to people? Um, do you ever get that kind of feedback from people that you're too abrasive? Oh, yeah, I get, I get that all the time. And um, I, I hear from, matter of fact, that is a, here's a funny story. Um, I hear from from Christians uh, all the time that I'm I'm too harsh with uh, with Muslims. I, I I shouldn't be criticizing Muhammad or the Quran because that's go- that's just going to drive them away and stuff like that. And it's total nonsense. I criticize Muhammad and the Quran all the time, and Muslims can't stay away, right? They they uh, they're actually drawn they're actually drawn to a more confrontational approach. So uh, you, kind of the approach I use has just been based on personal interactions with Muslims and you know what gets their uh, attention and things like that. But uh, uh, anyway, a couple of years ago, uh, the Christian sent me a message and said, "Hey, you need to uh, 
you, you, you have great content, but the way you present it is, uh, you know, going to hurt feelings. And so you shouldn't do it that way. And you need to be more like Jesus. And I say, what, what do you mean? I need to, I mean, need to be more like, you know, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you whitewashed tombs. I <laughs> yeah. think I'm not going to talk to, I'm not going to talk to Muslims like that, man. So don't tell me to talk like that. And he goes, no, 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 no. He's Lord. He can talk to people like that. But, uh, you know, you should be like more like, you know, the apostles. And I said, what, you mean more like the apostle Paul who said to Elemis, the sorcerer, you, you enemy of righteousness, you son of the devil, because I'm not going to talk to people like that, man. And he said, uh, he said, well, it's, it's just a fact that, that people will listen to a nicer approach than they'll listen to, you know, someone who's, who's really being critical. Or, and, and I said, uh, I said, well, it's just been my, I've had the total opposite experience with Muslims, but you're, you're, you're welcome to, to do things the way you're saying that they should, that, that I should do them and, and to show me that it's actually a, a better, more effective way. And so we just kept going back and forth. And uh, I kept disagreeing with him, just saying, look, I mean, look, there, there, there's, a, there's a reason I'm meeting so many Muslims who are, who are leaving Islam. They actually do pay more attention if you're just blunt and you just tell them, no, this is wrong and so on. And so finally, the guy says, look, there's a book called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. <laughs> it's, about a, it's about a Muslim who had a Christian friend who just spent years loving him and spending time with him. And you need to read that book and try to be more like that Christian. And I said, uh, <laughs> I said, really? What? You know that's me, right? That's <laughs> he hilarious. He finished, that was me the book. he finished the argument for you. That's amazing. Yeah, so, so, I, said, so I said, yeah, what, what are the odds that out of all the people in the world you could have told me to be like, to be more effective, you tell me to be more like me? <laughs> that's too and, funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. Funny. So yeah, I get, I get it a lot, but it's just, and, and be, keep in mind, I'm not telling people to go out there and like be harsh with Muslims or something like that. Uh, it, it, there, there are ways you can bring up very sensitive information with Muslims. My point is, there's information about the Quran and about Muhammad and about all these issues that they aren't getting from their leaders. Their leaders keep a lot of the, a lot of the, the actual facts from them. Um, and they fill their heads with lots of nonsense, right? Like almost every Muslim scholar will tell Muslims, oh, the Quran's been perfectly preserved right down to the letter. That's absolute ridiculous nonsense from the Muslim sources. I'm not saying like my perspective, I'm saying the Muslim sources talk about entire chapters of the Quran coming up missing and large passages coming up missing verses being eaten by a sheep that aren't in the Quran anymore because the sheep ate the only copy. Those are the things you find in the Muslim sources. And yet Muslim leaders are telling Muslims perfect preservation right down to the letter. So the point is they're not getting certain information about Islam that they would need to be able to form, mm. a, you know, an, infor an informed opinion. They're not getting that from their leaders, so they kind of have to give it, you know, get it from us. And it's going to be, it's going to, you know, some of these, some of these things are going to hurt their feelings, yeah. you know, no matter how you do it. But, yeah. You know, you can do it. You can, you can get this, you get this information across. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. Um, I, that's another question I had for you, which is, you know, now that we have the internet and everything, there is such a vast amount of information out there. And I was going to ask you, do you think that this is helping more and more Muslims uh, come to the truth because of the fact that there's so much more exposure now for that information that was potentially hidden before because, like you said, um, their, their leadership wasn't exposing them to that information, but now it's almost unavoidable in a sense for anybody who takes the time to look things up? Oh, yeah. Well, one of the earliest uh, art. So even before I was on YouTube, when I was just uh, when I was just writing articles for a website, one of the first articles I ever wrote was was how uh, the Internet is going to allow a lot of information to uh, destroy a lot of people's confidence that they have 
in Islam because that's the confidence that's based on sort of uh, false information. Um, like like when, when you hear, hey, the Quran contains all these scientific miracles and Muhammad's greatest man who ever lived, you hear this all your life. It sounds sounds very plausible and sounds almost insane to deny it if you've been if you've been taught this all your life. Um, but once you start learning the facts, which you know as time goes on becomes Muslims get more and more access to them, uh, becomes very hard to to hold to those positions. And basically, the situation we're in is for for fourteen hundred years, Muslim leaders could keep the Muslim population pretty insulated, right? Uh, if someone started going around criticizing Islam, he was going to get his head chopped off, so he wasn't going to last very long. And if someone came from a different a different land, like a Christian came to an area uh, with the gospel and things like that, well, they could they could stop you know they could stop that Christian, they could chop his head off. So they were able to keep people insulated from hearing lots of things. But now you have tons of Muslims who've come to the West, and so they're in a position where they can hear um, they can hear a serious presentation of an alternative because that's, it's not just a, it's not just that their information about Islam was concealed from them. It's that uh, they'll make sure that no one ever hears a serious uh, presentation of of some alternative to Islam like Christianity. Uh, but but uh, tons of Muslims have come to the West and they're in a position where they can hear an alternative, uh, uh, an alternative to Islam, so they can hear the gospel, and they can hear things about Islam that they would have never heard. Uh, in other parts of the world. Uh, but at the same time, yes, through the internet, basically, I mean, it, it, Muslims in Saudi Arabia, Muslims in uh, Pakistan, Muslims in uh, all kinds of countries now have access to information that they haven't had access to for, for 14 centuries. And so, uh, so actually, uh, you know, as, as, as bad as things can be in certain parts of the world, this is actually an awesome, awesome time. This is the greatest time in history. If you have a, if you have a heart for reaching Muslims with the gospel, uh, 14 centuries worth of Christians who've, who've been interested in talking to Muslims couldn't have dreamed of the opportunities that we have right now. That's awesome. So, um, you know, uh, some people would say, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I talk to a lot of atheists, and you actually have an atheist background. Uh, for those of you listening, if you haven't seen David Wood's testimony online, it's pretty incredible um, why I am a Christian. You can check it out on his website, Acts 17 Apologetics. But, um, you know, I've had people say this. They've said, well, uh, Christianity is being ex- exposed in the sense that um, now we're able to put all this information on the Internet that other people weren't. You know, the same thing you just said about Islam, they're saying about Christianity. And now we're able to prove Christianity wrong and we're able to get the word out there. And there's an increase in nuns and agnosticism in America and so forth and so on. How how would you respond to somebody who said something like that? Well, um, you know, the, the having something like the Internet does help uh help basically critics of of any position it, it allows you to get information out um much more quickly uh but it's not it's not going to have the, the same kind of impact on on christianity uh for for a couple reasons one christians had already uh, been you know had a long experience with their views being criticized right uh, muslims in, in muslim lands did not have a lot of experience with hearing challenges to their beliefs because it would be illegal. It would be considered blasphemous to, to challenge Islam. Mm. Um, whereas, whereas in the West, I mean, we, we are, we already had apologists and we already had uh, people dealing with, with criticisms. Now what the internet has done is uh, allow people to sort of ramp up their, their attacks. But basically Christians had already been dealing with these kinds of things. Um, but, but two, the, the reason it's not going to be the same with Christianity is, um, all across the board with the Muslim arguments, the, the arguments that are used to show that Islam is true, 
as soon as you start examining them, you find out that they're just they're grounded in just complete myth, right? Like like the the idea. Uh, one of the first things you'll hear from a Muslim is, "Oh, the Quran's been perfectly preserved, and this is a miracle." Again, that's that's not that's not true according to the manuscript tradition. That's not true according to their own sources. You can go through any of their any of their main sources, and you find all kinds of information about changes to the Quran. The point is, the the argument is based on absolute nothing. It's based on deception. It's it's it's, it's completely false. Mm. And that's what you find when you go through the arguments that are used to prop up Islam. Is the they're, they only work in an atmosphere of ignorance. As soon as people are actually able to study, uh, study the evidence, the argument just falls to pieces. Whereas in Christianity, we're, we're kind of in a different category. Um, da- I'm, I'm saying this, David. So, we're coming yeah. up on a break here, so I want to, but I want to um, preface our next segment here for those of you listening. So David Wood was an atheist. He became a Christian, and now he reaches Muslims for Christ. So when we get back, what we're going to talk about is. Why does he say that Christianity is true? It has the evidence for the truth, but Islam does not. And a compare and contrast here, um, why he left atheism, became a Christian, and which, of course, would mean that atheism is not credible either. So um, stay with us. We're going to be right back. And I think this is a great Christmas show because uh, Christmas is all about Jesus Christ and the truth of Jesus Christ and that he can actually save you and you can have eternal life and be with reconnected with God in heaven. So uh, stay with us. We're going to be right back. Save money by taking good care of your car. Call Conover Tires Wheels and Service in Oceanside. Locally owned and operated since 1991 with all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers at ConoverTires.com. Dan and his team are proud to support Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. They even sell affordable, reliable used cars and enclosed trailers. Conover Tires, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard, 760-439-1631. Educate for Life helps you build your life on the rock. LG Equipment helps builders build on good soil. Luke Gibson's team at LG Equipment is your local source for grading, demolition, hauling, and more. Learn about their bulk water services from trucks to tankers to towers at rentwatertower.com. Get your questions answered. Call LG Equipment at 619-988-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-988-0924. Life insurance is like a parachute. If you don't have it when you need it, it's too late. When your family faces a challenge, you don't want to face liability because you're uninsured or underinsured. Decades of San Diegans have trusted Jim Kelly of Kelly Insurance Agency and Allstate to insure homes, cars, businesses, and lives, no matter where they live throughout California. Your family's needs are always changing. Call to schedule a checkup today. Call Jim Kelly and his team right now, 619-562-9199. Hey, thanks for listening to us today. This is Kevin Conover. We're on Educate for Life. We're down here in Southern California. K-Praise, 1210 AM, FM 106.1 in North County. And uh, you can also listen to all the uh, different shows on YouTube, too. I just interviewed uh, last week Jay Warner Wallace, homicide detective, who became a Christian at the age of 35 
And uh, he wrote a book called Cold Case Christianity, absolutely incredible testimony and evidence for the truth of Christ. Um, today we're talking with David Wood, and David Wood is an expert on Islam. Um, he he kind of, in a sense, fell into this. But uh, David, when we left off last segment, what we were talking about was uh, the fact that you left atheism to become a Christian. Um, and and uh, if you if you don't know who David Wood is, he has a wild testimony. Um, David, you you almost killed your father uh, and then ended up in prison. Is that correct? Yeah, a uh, couple jails, couple prisons, couple mental hospitals. And then you you ultimately became a Christian, and uh, it made sense. And then your Christianity, in a sense, went through a kind of a, a trial by fire in the sense that you were um, arguing with you know uh, this Muslim about what which was true. And you, this forced you into a position of looking at the evidence for the truth of Christianity versus the, the truth of uh, Islam. Um, what made you decide that Christianity was more valid than, say, atheism or any other particular worldview? Because a lot of atheists say, hey, Christianity has just as many problems as Islam does as far as its credibility or the Bible versus the Quran, these sorts of things. Yeah, well, I mean, generally, anyone, anyone who says that uh, Christianity— and Islam are in the same boat with regards to evidence. I don't think has has examined the evidence. E- even if I were, even if I were an atheist, uh, if you're an atheist and you are familiar with the evidence, you you'd have to be able to you'd have to be able to see. Okay, when Christians talk about the resurrection, um, their case for that is based on a number of facts which are which are agreed upon by even even non-Christian scholars, even atheists and agnostic scholars. And so they actually have a, a, a case that they're making. And basically the, the atheist position is, um, I mean, as far as atheists who actually deal with like the evidence for the resurrection, it's usually, yeah, they have uh, a bunch of facts here, but I, I just can't accept uh, a, a supernatural explanation of these facts. So I'm going to go with a natural explanation, even if it doesn't fit the facts very well. It's better than a, a supernatural explanation. So, um, but with Islam, you find out that that the arguments are just based on on complete fabrication. It's it's a it's a series, and I've been dealing I've been dealing with with arguments for Islam for years. But there's nothing in Islam that that passes any sorts of standards as as something for for a good argument. Um, so, and, and uh, it, you know, I mentioned the the case for the you know the the perfect preservation of the Quran. Well, even if the Quran had been perfectly preserved, it, that wouldn't that wouldn't mean that it's a miracle. It just mean that it was well preserved. Um, but you you find out that it hasn't, or the claim that the Quran is filled with scientific miracles. As soon as you start looking into them, um, you find out the Quran's a, a scientific disaster. So those arguments all fall apart. Whereas the more you look at the resurrection, the more you find out, uh, gosh, this is there's actually good evidence here. So basically, the the evidence. This is why be, this is why I became a Christian. That um, we know. For a fact, how Jesus died um, at the at the scholarly level is considered indisputable. People like uh, even critics of Christianity, like uh, Bart Ehrman and the Jesus Seminar, and um, uh, various uh, atheists, agnostics, and so on, they'll say that it's one of they'll say that Jesus' death by crucifixion is one of the best established facts of ancient history. And uh, so that's that's not disputed. Jesus' death. Uh, they'll disagree with his resurrection, but they'll even grant. They'll even grant a number of facts which we use to build our case for the resurrection. So uh, yeah. scholars across scholars across the board, regardless of their perspective, whether they're Jewish scholars, atheist scholars, agnostic scholars, 
they grant across the board that Jesus' disciples were convinced that he had appeared to them um, on a number of occasions, and that this uh, this belief that they have that, that Jesus was appearing to them is what gave rise to their confidence that he had risen from the dead. And so they grant that as a fact, and they have to grant that as a fact because we have so many we have we have so much information on the claims of the first century Christians and on their willingness to die for them. That the basic position among scholars is yes, we know they, they that we know they believed it. They were they were ready to go to their horrible bloody deaths over this, and so they had to believe that what they were saying about him appearing to them. They can't acknowledge that, so they might try to explain it with hallucinations or something like that. But notice they're they're granting Jesus' death and that his disciples sincerely believe that he had uh, appeared to them on numerous occasions. They'll come up with some naturalistic explanation, even though they don't work, like hallucinations. You can't say, you know, that entire group on numerous occasions, both friends and foe, because we're not just talking about yeah. his original disciples. Also talking about like the Apostle Paul and his brother James, who was a skeptic. They'll have to say, uh, you know, everyone was was experiencing the mass these same mass hallucinations, and it's just really, really strange to believe that. But they'll conclude that that's better than a supernatural explanation. But if you don't have that, if you if you if you're willing to keep a supernatural explanation on the table, uh, basically the the side the side favoring the resurrection, if you're weighing the evidence on a scale basically falls to the floor. So the, the, the difference between Christianity and Islam is that the more you study the evidence for Christianity, the, the stronger you realize it is. And you, of course, can, can, uh, can talk a lot on the Internet and deny that. But at the end of the day, the, the evidence is really there. Okay, so I've got two questions for you after what th- this explanation you gave. So the, my first question is this. So for the atheist out there or the person that's leaning towards atheism or agnosticism, uh, you know, you can't really know for sure— um, and they're saying, well, you know, I, I actually had an atheist say this to me once. They said, he said specifically, the reason I don't believe in the Bible is because of the miracles in the Bible. That's why I don't believe it because we don't see these things happening today. And so, you coming from an atheist background, what makes you decide that it's more likely that God is real? Therefore, these things could actually happen. A supernatural explanation could happen. What makes you lean in that direction rather than saying, nah? You know, these are unlikely supernatural phenomena because we don't see them happening today. What makes you think that theism is more credible than atheism in your mind? Well, yeah, so there, there are kind of two issues there. One, there's uh, th- there's the point that, that you brought up, namely that if you're ruling out miracles, yes, obviously, if the world, you know, if if there were no God and there was nothing supernatural, then a miraculous explanation would be off the table. But if you have good reasons to believe in a supernatural creator of the universe, um, then that makes miracles much more plausible. And then the, the question would be, okay, well, God could do miracles if he wanted, but yeah. uh, did he? And yeah, so what, if, what if for did, you is the compelling reason that you believe in the supernatural? Uh, well, I mean, the resurrection would be one of them, but uh, I, I agree with basically a, a lot of the traditional arguments that— um, you know, we know that the universe had a beginning, and so if the universe begins to exist, then it would have to have a cause of its existence. Otherwise, you'd have to say that universes come into existence uncaused. Okay. Uh, so if you're going to say the universe had, you know, was brought into existence, then you have to start thinking what sort of thing would this have to be that brings a universe into existence? Uh, it would have to be powerful enough to, to bring something out of nothing. Mm. Uh, it wouldn't, couldn't be material because the, the, the material universe is what gets brought into existence. So it has to be immaterial. 
and you start going down the list and the more and the more you start trying to assess what um, what the creator of the universe would have to be like, the, the more it starts sounding like God. So you have that, you have the fine tuning of the universe, namely, you know, the, the, the laws of, well, one, there didn't have to be any laws of nature, but, but two, they didn't have to be the sorts of laws that uh, permit human life. In, in fact, the, the idea that all of these features of the universe are uh, what's called finely tuned for, for life, um, you just wouldn't get a universe like that. Statistically, you're not getting a universe like that okay. um, if it's just forming at random. Um, so anyway, you have all kinds of things, the, the moral argument, basically there has to be a ground of, uh, the, the moral order in the universe, laws of logic, the, you know, laws of logic, you don't find them with a, you know, you don't find them with a microscope or a telescope. You don't find them in a science lab or something like that. They're, they're conceptual, but concepts exist in the mind and yet everything is sort of, uh, everything has to go along with them. And so they're, they're kind of omnipotent in a sense. Well, now you have basically laws of thinking and uh, moral laws and, mathematical truths and so on that they're all true independent of, of what humans believe. If you never, there were no humans, these things would still be true. Yeah. And yet they're, they're, they're abstract and conceptual, meaning they only exist in a mind. They don't exist in like a rock or something like that. They exist in a mind. And so there is a, a reality out there that is, uh, that is, uh, that's not just physical and material, uh, and yet encompasses, um, and encompasses uh, all these abstract concepts and yeah. creates the world and everything. And so, yeah, it really starts dealing, it really starts looking more and more like God. But then if you want to get into specific, uh, has this God revealed himself to us in any, in any personal way, then you start looking at history and something like the resurrection. So that's one issue. But the, the, the other, the other issue, and I can say this very quickly, um, a- atheists are simply wrong when they think, Oh, you know, things like that don't happen. If they're just looking at statistics, uh, Pew Research did uh, did a study a few years back, and they looked at just one denomination of Christianity in 10 countries um, around the world. So they're just talking about 10 countries that they that they actually did a study, a poll in. And they were already in the hundreds of millions of people who believed that they had witnessed a personally witnessed a miracle. So the idea is if they were already in the hundreds of millions of people who believed they'd witnessed a miracle, just looking at one denomination of Christianity in just 10 countries, uh, you can probably extrapolate that there were probably well over a billion people in the world who believe they've witnessed a miracle. So uh, atheists are kind of similar to Muslims there where they've, they've heard all their lives, uh, you know, this just doesn't happen. The way Muslims heard all his life, the Quran's been perfectly preserved. But it, they really should, before you start making claims like no miracles occur or miracles are off the table, you should at least probably spend, I'm guessing you should at least spend five minutes studying the issue, <laughs> but they, they just don't. And yeah. so, yeah. So anyway, there are, there are all kinds of, uh, there are all kinds of problems with the, with the rejection of, uh, of miracles. The guys just haven't, it doesn't yeah. seem that a lot of atheists have really looked at the evidence. Okay. So we're, we're uh, wrapping up our third segment here. When we come back, my, my second question I have here for David has to do with what is it about, Muhammad's life, maybe the top one, two, or three things that actually undermine the credibility of Islam or of Muhammad as a prophet of God. So stay with us. We're going to compare and contrast Jesus Christ, his claim of divinity as the Son of God, with Muhammad, his claim to be the prophet of God. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
Luke Gibson of LG Equipment supports Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Luke grew up in the construction industry and now serves LG's commercial and residential customers throughout Southern California. Whether you need grading, paving, hauling, demolition, on-site bulk water service, water trucks, tankers, and towers, call LG Equipment at 619-998-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-998-0924. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Life insurance is like a parachute. If you don't have it when you need it, it's too late. When your family faces a challenge, you don't want to face liability because you're uninsured or underinsured. Decades of San Diegans have trusted Jim Kelly of Kelly Insurance Agency and Allstate to insure homes, cars, businesses, and lives, no matter where they live throughout California. Your family's needs are always changing. Call to schedule a checkup today. Call Jim Kelly and his team right now. 619-562-9199. us today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. You can join um, or subscribe to our website. We have a full comprehensive apologetics curriculum. covers everything you can possibly imagine, all the way from creation and evolution issues up to um, how do we know the Bible is actually God's word? You know, what about slavery in the Old Testament? Um, what about all the different world religions? What about Buddhism and Mormonism and Islam and all these different things? And then we also cover all the cultural issues. Um, if you're a parent or, uh, or you yourself just have a lot of questions, it's a great resource to be able to comprehensively look at these issues and get answers to the hard questions that people ask. Our culture is becoming increasingly skeptical. My guest today is David Wood, and he's on the cutting edge of apologetics. He specifically has uh, ministers to Muslims and helps people reach out to Muslims. His ministry is Acts 17 Apologetics. He has numerous videos um, on YouTube that you can check out with all kinds of Val- uh, valuable information. I've watched a lot of them, and they're incredibly insightful and uh, deep. Uh, they get down to a lot of the issues that you don't typically think about when you're you're thinking about Islam. Um, so I wanted to ask you, uh, David, a couple questions here as we're, we're wrapping up. Um, a lot of young people are being uh, exposed to ideas in public education and everything that make it sound like, hey, Islam is uh, just as credible as Christianity, it's just whatever you choose. It's, you know, these sorts of things. And, you know, I'm concerned about the upcoming generations and what they're having to deal with. Um, do you have any advice for parents as it pertains to issues like Islam and worldview? Um, and you being a parent yourself, um, I think you have five kids. Is that right? Yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you encourage parents to deal with all the ideas that are in public education that are coming their way? Um, with like, for example, the Council on American Islamic Relations here in San Diego, they're now working with the San Diego City Schools to make kids more aware of Islam, uh, things like this. Yeah, well, I mean, if if, if it's a if it's a Christian parents who want to 
to sort of challenge that in in certain ways, then um, it's it's very it's very easy to equip even even a, a kid to ask questions in a in a non threatening uh, in a non threatening manner. So um, basically, if they're doing lessons in a in school, very easy for uh, if, if 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 the child is willing and the the child is is doesn't want to be indoctrinated. Uh, very easy to equip uh, the child with some basic information to have the kid go in there and say, uh, hey, you you said uh, this about Islam, but I went ahead and, and looked at the Quran, and I would I would be interested in how you explain these verses, uh, given what you just said, and bring up some of the verses. And, you know, the child doesn't have to be attacking uh, in that way, but very easy to raise a bunch of questions, which will then cause a lot of doubt about what's being claimed and basically uh it's it's pretty easy to bring up information that way okay so and 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 notice notice it's 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 sort of the same thing if parents raise a challenge and the challenge goes before the school board or something like that and the uh you know care is there and stuff like that and it's it's pretty easy to say oh you're, you're saying this about uh about islam but uh here's what here's what i found in your sources i wonder if you could explain this yeah yeah I've had that experience myself. I actually had a friend in high school who um, she challenged me to read the Quran, and the first uh, the first uh, scripture in the Quran I read was where it says you can tap your wife, or you can you can hit your wife with a stick. And uh, I knew nothing about Islam, and I showed it to her, and she was like, "What? I can't believe this is in here." And I guess she went to her father, and he and and uh, their their Muslim um, pastor said that it meant to tap her lightly with a twig. Um, yeah, yeah. Un- un- unfortunately, that uh, and notice that that's the other, that's the other problem. Uh, Muslims will will say things in response, uh, in defense of these verses, but that's not actually what the pastor is saying. If you if you know the sources, that doesn't actually work. So what the Quran actually says is, um, if you fear some sort of rebellion or uh, something like that from your wife, then you warn her and ban her to a separate bed, and then you can beat her. So you beat her until she. Uh, submits to you, um, and the yeah the response the typical responses are yeah this just refers to you know tapping her with a toothbrush or something like that and uh, the problem is uh, we know from the Muslim sources that's not that's not what it refers to we have uh, we have uh, records in Muslim sources of uh, women being beaten until their skin turned green by their husbands um, and this was considered perfectly acceptable because uh, because the Quran allows it so they obviously if they if a woman is being beaten until her skin turned green, she obviously is not just being tapped lightly with a toothbrush. Yeah, and this is not uncommon practice in some Middle Eastern countries either. I mean, this is something that happens on a regular basis. Oh yeah, I mean the the the, the, the studies are clear um, of the of the various groups that go ahead and uh, you know go out and compare um, the status of women in various countries and women's rights and whether women are protected from abuse and things like that. Um, it's it's it'll always be like 11 of the 12 worst places to be a, a woman or uh, 18 of the 20 worst countries uh, for women will be islamic countries and it really goes back to how the teachings of muhammad have have influenced society now um for for the average layperson out there who's not a muslim apologist but they have muslim coworkers and these sorts of things that they work with um when we co- contrast the life of christ with the life of muhammad what is it? What would you say are maybe the top one, two, or three things that undermine the qualifications for Muhammad as a prophet that that somebody listening today could grab hold of and and maybe share with a coworker or something or ask a question that pertains to something like that? 
yeah, if, if you're presenting this to a coworker, I would do it sort of in, in you know, in, in the form of questions like, hey, you know, I was I was looking at Muhammad and I, I saw this. I was wondering, you know, how do you explain this? But basically, a lot of the, the serious issues and certainly things that would set him apart from someone like Jesus. Uh, one, you if you read the history of Muhammad, you're struck by the number of spiritual problems this guy had. And what I mean here is when he first started receiving revelations, his interpretation of what happened to him was that they were his revelations were demonic. He believed that he was demon possessed, and so he read out he ran out of this cave that he was uh, that he was staying in, uh, concluded that he was demon possessed, and tried to hurl himself off a cliff repeatedly. Um, he eventually ran home to his wife Khadija and started shouting for her to cover him because he was terrified of whatever this whatever it was that was chasing him, and it was Khadija and her cousin who weren't there, who had no idea what he encountered, they were the ones who sat there and told him, no, 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 you're not possessed. You're, you're a prophet of God. These are revelations from God. So his, interpret, his, his impression of the revelations was that they were demonic. Other people who weren't there were the ones who convinced him that he's a prophet. So you have things like that. You have uh, Muhammad delivered what are called the satanic verses. This is according to Islamic history. Muhammad delivered what are called the satanic verses, promoting belief in three pagan goddesses and said that you could pray to them because they would carry your prayers to Allah. Um, then he came back later and said, no, the devil tricked him into, into delivering this revelation. And so that, well, that, you can grant that, but then what, what that means is that he couldn't tell the difference between a revelation from God and a revelation from the devil. But this guy actually delivered a revelation and then blamed the devil for that revelation. Uh, then you have other things where we have, we have sources on Muhammad claiming that he's a victim of black magic a spell that gave him delusional thoughts and false beliefs and so on. So you have all these kinds of problems that you just, you wouldn't expect them from a prophet. Uh, but, you know, clearly, clearly Jesus is in a different category. So you have those kinds of issues. You have moral problems. Uh, Muhammad had sex with a nine-year-old girl. Uh, I mean, he married a, a girl when she was six and then uh, consummated the marriage when she was nine years old. She hadn't even reached puberty yet. Um, he married the, the divorced wife of his own adopted son after causing the divorce because he was lusting after her and his, his adopted son found out about it. And so he divorced her so that Muhammad could have him. Uh, he told his followers they could have up to four wives, no more. That's a revelation of the Quran. But then he got another, another revelation saying that he could have even more. So he had at least nine wives at one time. Uh, but basically you had this never ending array of moral problems where if we saw someone who had these problems, we would not trust them. And Muhammad just has, uh, just has more than more sort of moral and spiritual problems than anyone I've ever met in my life. So those would be two of the problems. The third kind of be uh, ignorance. Muhammad, he really seems to think that uh, that the, the, the Bible agrees with him, that the, the Torah agrees with him, that the, the scriptures of the Christians agree with him, that, that Jesus agreed with him. Whereas if we actually go out and start studying the issue, we find that uh, the Bible definitely doesn't line up with Islam, and the teachings of Jesus don't line up with Islam. Because according to Islam, Jesus didn't die on the cross, he didn't rise from the dead, and he's not Lord. Well, I mean, that's sort of the foundation of the Bible. Um, so Muslims are forced to say, well, your Bible's been corrupted then. Unfortunately for them, Muhammad didn't just affirm that our Bible is inspired. He also affirmed that, uh, that the Bible is, uh, has been perfectly preserved and that it's still authoritative. So even in, the, even in its present form, even in the form that it was during his time, which is the 7th century, he was affirming the, the authority of the Bible, and yet we know what the Bible said in the 7th century. We have copies of it from before then. So you, you can't simply say that the Bible's been corrupted without contradicting Muhammad. And so the, the real problem here just seems to be this guy doesn't know anything he's talking about, 
he's talking, but, but he's talking to people. His listeners don't know what he's don't know what he's talking about either. So they don't they're not, they don't really have the ability to correct him. Um, but we do. So now we can actually look at the revelations and saying, wait a minute, this guy clearly had no idea what he's talking about. He's affirming the revelations of the Christians and Jews, not realizing that the revelations of the Christians and Jews completely contradict his own revelations. And therefore Islam just falls apart. I mean, if we have the word of God, then Islam is false because Islam contradicts, um, contradicts our book. But if we don't have the word of God, Islam is still false because Islam affirms that our book's the word of God. So no matter what the situation is, Islam just falls apart. And so, Mm. These are the kinds of problems you find with Muhammad. That's fantastic. Well, uh, we're just about out of time here. So, um, David, I just want to thank you so much for being on the program today. It's a huge blessing. Yep, glad to be here. Absolutely. David Wood, Acts 17 Apologetics. Please check out his stuff. It's absolutely incredible. And, you know, if you have Muslim friends or neighbors, if you have coworkers, don't be afraid um, to invite them to a Christmas celebration. Um, they may or may not come. They may not come, may not come to your church, but... You want to just start that conversation. Um, God loves all people. He loves Muslims. Many Muslims are coming to Christ. Uh, surprisingly, the Quran actually talks about Jesus Christ a lot. And so um, it's a great opportunity this Christmas season to invite um, your Muslim friend or coworker um, to learn more about Jesus Christ and what the Bible has to say about him. Um, because, uh, like David said, the Quran actually says good things about Jesus Christ, it actually says he's a prophet of God. So um, take that opportunity. Don't be afraid. You'll be amazed at what God can do when we take those steps of faith to reach out to the people around us. And uh, I hope you have a fantastic Friday and weekend, and Merry Christmas. We'll be back again next week, I believe, uh, with Greg Kokel. So uh, looking forward to talking to him, too. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit EducateForLife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243-9719.